just once again make clear that which most do not seem to understand. This podcast is marked as explicit, not because it offers a mature look into the world of topics not meant for the young or immature, but because it mucks about in very appalling, gormless, and tasteless filth whilst reveling in it. Cinebus Psyops aims to drag you down into the very same muck filled with sexual deviancy and decayed morality. Cinebus Psyops. They heap weekly praise on such filth while discussing the most base and animalistic urges, reviewing the lowest common denominator of low-grade trash ever considered film.
to a very special episode of Cinema PsyOps, an episode so special I can't even bother to number it until it actually gets a release out of Patreon and not Pirate Radio edited. Joining me all the way across the country in the great state of, is it Tennessee? I think so. It's Brad. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> really? You did all that for me? That's amazing. Well, Patreon? <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to be a special et- episode of Patreon. And then if I need a fill-in episode or something comes up, I'm going to keep this in the can for non-Patreon sure. later. And then I'll do two edits, one that can go out on the main feed and then one that's just the special music you hear live, like we always used to do I, the show. Yes. I have never been a part of a Patreon episode, so this is very exciting. Oh, nice. Oh, well, you want to do more of these Hammer films like we've been covering and, you know, very sporadically through our history. I'm all sure. for putting them out as Patreon-only episodes for a little while. Wow. And then, you know, Amazing. if I need them, you know, take them out of the can and release them. Yeah. Or... They may not do so well, and people might not like it. <laughs> well, truth be told, I think like maybe four people that listen to the main feed of Cinema PsyOps also listen to the pirate radio edits that are on the Patreon. So uh, don't, don't worry about that. People will listen to it eventually, because I'll make them. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get a regular episode that they're expecting, Matt, and instead they get a very special episode featuring Brad where we talk Hammer films. Man, that would be exciting. So I am a little bit curious uh, for your pick for the Hammer films. You chose Nightmare, which is a very little known film. I mean, I this is the first time watch for me. I was completely pretty much unaware of it other than the box set that I have it in. The Hammer Horrors one, it's that sort of like... Mm-hmm red metallic one it's an eight film collection that yep. I, I think universal released directly it was some of the ones that they had uh, the rights to and it's pretty mm-hmm. much the lesser known ones or the lesser viewed ones i think for the most part yeah yeah that's absolutely true yeah um many hitchcocks although they don't really they started before psycho uh i really enjoy them and yeah this is my favorite so i wanted to do it with you Oh, and you know, I think referring to it as the mini Hitchcocks, uh, it's not a phrase that I was familiar with, but it totally makes sense where Hitchcock was getting big. So Hammer was kind of doing their own flavor of his style of thriller and mystery and stuff like that. Shocker. Yeah. 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 Although I think Hammer's feels more at home with like a William Castle, you know, like they're, they're striving for mini Hitchcocks, but what they're really getting is mega castles. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. No, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Cause they're mega castles because, well, Castle didn't have the budget that even Hammer films had to put out their films and that's you know he did what he could with what he had and he did an excellent job so that's why i'm calling them mega castles that is no diss on mr castle at all no absolutely not and there are castles in england in hammer films and those are often mega castles too and so there you go yeah, that's very interesting. This one's definitely, I would say, a little bit more Hitchcock influenced, but I actually got a lot of tones of Straight Jacket, the William Castle yeah. joint. It felt a little bit sure. more like Straight Jacket in some of the, and we'll get into it once we actually dig into the story, but that sensation didn't really kind of leave me. So I was thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to figure this out. You know, it's an older movie. I kind of know the plot structure, where they're going with this. But uh, no, they pulled a fast one on me. And effectively, mm-hmm. all these years later, it was the first.
first time viewer. They actually really? snuck a little trick on me. See, and I'm I'm curious to hear what that is because if it's what I think it is, I think that uh, that will show its worth. Yeah, um, I will say that when I was doing the clips, that's kind of like doing a rewatch because I'm playing all the dialogue back, and um, there were indications. So it's not a complete what a twist cheat. We're just out of the blue. It happens. There are indications. There are some things right. that would make you think that what I'm we're about to reveal happens will happen upon a second and third watch. But uh, when you do it for the first time, it may actually surprise you at uh, how effectively it pulls off its little twist at the end. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, instead of beating around the bush talking about it, let's uh, let's ask, what have you been up to, Brad? You guys are on hiatus. What have you been doing with yourself? Well, uh, not a lot lately, really. Uh, it's been, we bought a house since I was on the last on the show. So it's been at least five years since I've been on. You had not uh, had internet in most of that time as well. You guys, been that is movie. true. Yes. Yes. We did not have internet. We, uh, we were lied to by the internet company. It said, sure, we'll hook you up. And then when we moved in, they said, no, we don't service your area. So that was a cute trick. And so, yeah, we went two years out here without, Wi-Fi. Uh, we had a hotspot. We didn't do a lot of streaming. Uh, Elizabeth used it for her work, but most of mine came from two dots on my cell phone. So yeah, we did we did tough it out for two years, but then we got high speed fiber that was put in here as a pilot program. So that worked out okay. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Richard and I are hiatus this year. We've got a lot of ideas for next year, so it's really exciting. Uh, it's already uh, March, so the year's ticking by. It'll be gone before you know it. So, But I'm so excited to be back on the show here. Well, you got a podcasting itch that you got to cover in the year that uh, you're away from Richard and the, uh, hello, this is the Doom Show. Yeah. Uh, That's right, we yeah. Can, we can scratch that itch for you here. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. I think the people have heard enough of this pablum and, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to move on. So let's play the Legion Patreon ad. We'll have a little bit of music, the fitting of the movie, like I always love to do. Now, up first, I went with basically if the song said nightmare in the title or they mm -hmm. sing about living in a nightmare or it has anything to do with a nightmare. That's what we're featuring on the Pirate Radio edit. Up first, we're going to have the band Bad Cop, Bad Cop with their song Nightmare right after this. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room.
So since there's a pretty heavy theme of gaslighting, I wanted to feature at least one female act. It's an all-female front band, Bad Cop, Bad Cop is. And I wanted to kind of put that out there for a little extra girl power because we're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of uh, nastiness and some misogyny in some of the story here. <laughs> there's some bad sure. characters doing bad things. I liked it. I liked it too. <laughs> yeah, Bad Cop, Bad Cop is some cool shit, man. They're a really great punk band, man. You should check them out. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, well, not enough about that. Let's get into Nightmare, right? We're ready to talk about it. We should talk about it. Ready to talk about it. Yes. All right. So the film opens on a long corridor with the credits rolling as we approach a bunch of foreboding doors. We see we are following a young woman who seems very frightened as a disembodied voice says her name and she turns in fear. She appears to be following the voice as it beckons to her and tells her it is waiting. Something rushes by her and she hears it ask her where she is. She's sort of like rushed along and and forced to go as... This voice is telling her, asking her where she is and why she isn't here yet. She comes up to a very foreboding door. I must really like that word. That's in my notes a lot. <laughs> with a, I love it. With a pretty hefty latch and is told, that's right, my darling, in here. And she opens the door and goes in. She scans the room and we see the reason this is so foreboding is she appears to be in an asylum of some sort. She is being beckoned into a very obviously like roughly built padded cell. It has a very thick wire, like gauge wire over the windows that looks almost like chicken wire for humans is how it's set up and it might be a little barbed too yes um and it's nearly pitch black in the room you can really only see the light coming through the window and the that grating of the the wire over top of it this is easily one of the least therapeutic wards and accommodations i have ever seen in a (laughs) mental health facility (laughs) no doubt that leads us to our first clip help me help me Both, haven't they? That's how it should be, isn't it? Both mad, aren't we? We're both mad! No! We are both mad! Goodness, that's just heart wrenching right there. <laughs> what a way it to really open is. Film. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so this crossfades into a young Janet alone walking the grounds of what I assume is an all-girl boarding school from the context of everything we've seen. And given her posture when she's moving, you can infer that she is a very lonely and sad young woman. This is evidenced by the other young women who kind of pass by her without acknowledging her in the slightest degree. A teacher takes notice of her all by her lonesome and in this isolation. So she goes over to speak with her. And since there's more dialogue and I'm lazy, that's our next clip. There you go. I've been looking for you everywhere. Why weren't you with the others? I'm not very popular. I disturb their sleep. You disturb mine. Well, you're different. It's part of your job. My job is to teach. Now, will you please put off that radio? What did Mrs. Hatcher want to see you about? She wants you to see a doctor. No. Why? She can't make me, can she? She might send you home if you don't. I'd rather go home. But you like it here. I don't want to see a doctor. Not the sort she'd send me to anyway. Does Henry know? Who's Henry? My guardian, Henry Baxter. He's a lawyer. 
I expect Mrs. Hatcher will telephone him. She'll have to if I'm going home. He knows about me. He'll understand. What is there to understand? Everything. Doctors and... Henry will come and fetch me. Time you were asleep, girls. Good night. Comfortable? What am I doing in here? Mrs. Hatcher thought it would be better for the other girls. You'll be going home tomorrow. Did she speak to Henry? Yes, she did. Mr. Baxter won't be able to meet you, I'm afraid. Why not? I don't know. Anyway, it'll be all right. I should be going home with you. Why? It's a long journey. Mrs. Hatcher thought you might like the company. What about you? I like the idea. It'll make a nice change. All right now. Good night. I wonder why Henry couldn't meet us. He's probably waiting for you at home. Is Mr. Baxter at home, John? Mr. Baxter? I don't think so, Miss Janet. It is nice to see you again, John. It's nice to see you again, Miss Janet. I hope everything's all right. Why? Home in the middle of term. I thought perhaps you weren't well. I'm perfectly well, thank you. How long does it take? Oh, about half an hour. How is everything at High Towers, John? Oh, fine, Miss Janet, just fine. John's a very old friend, aren't you, John? I like to think so, Miss. John and Mrs. Gibbs. How is Mrs. Gibbs? Just the same, Miss Janet, just the same. The country's beautiful around here. Slow down, John. What is that place? Stop, John. It's better not, Miss Janet. Do as I say. Please, Miss Janet, you know you... I'm sure John knows best, Janet. Doesn't concern you. Everything concerns me until I deliver you safely home. All right, at the end of the clip, they were passing by what appears to be what we in the business used to call a snake pit. Now, for those of yep. you that are not familiar with that term out there, a snake pit is a mental health facility that was mistreating and flat out abusing patients meant to be imprisoned there and not treated. They were just basically another version of a prison for the mentally ill. They were just supposed to be locked away and they never really treated them and they just got worse or worse. They would torture them until they got worse. Uh, you can read all about our dark history of mental health facilities as humans later on. We don't want to talk anymore about it than that. No. It is an ominous building set on a grim landscape surrounded by thick walls of stone and spiked iron fencing. This thing could not be any more set to feel so not the place you want to go at all. Like, yeah. it's like walking into Silent Hill and looking at their infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. No, it could not be less inviting. <laughs> yes, it's very uninviting. It's very much telling you very. to get away. The film conveys so much story in the visuals we see that we don't need to be told why this place is so triggering for Janet. We know what that nightmare represents. We know that that building represents something having to do with her nightmare. And since it looked like it was an asylum because of the padded room, we're pretty sure mm -hmm. that that's the asylum that has something to do with her nightmare. We can put that all together in context to this reaction. And it tells us everything we need to know about this place and why she's dreading it. And it's a wonderful way for us to build the dread too because we experience it essentially through her eyes and we learn what it is that's troubling her. Mm -hmm. They arrive at Janet's stately home manor and she is greeted by a Mrs. Gibb who appears to be a housekeeper or caregiver of some sort and she is greeted with a warm embrace and assures Janet in our next clip. Oh, oh it's 
lovely to see you again. Lovely. And you're looking fine, just fine. Is Henry here? Mr. Baxter? No, he's not here, dear. Why not? Mr. Baxter, why should he be? Yes, he should. He should have met me from the station. Oh, well, perhaps he'll come later. Oh, I was so looking forward to seeing him again. Is my room ready? Yes, I've got a nice bar now. Come on. Oh, what about Mary? This is Miss Lewis. She teaches at my school. Oh, how, how do you do? do? I put Miss Lewis in the blue room. Why? I mean, what's wrong with the guest room? I'm afraid that's my fault. Who are you? I put myself in the guest room, but I can always change. Who are you? My name is Grace Maddox. Yes, Mr. Baxter asked her to come down. He thought you might like someone with you. Why? He thought perhaps you might get lonely. It sounds like a good idea. Yes, yes it does. Do you mind having the blue room? It's awfully nice. It's my favorite color. Good, I'll show you the way then. No, no, you show her, Mrs. Gibbs. Grace, you come with me. I've got a letter for you, miss. A letter? For me? Yes, it arrived this morning. A letter for me? What was in the letter? He said he was sorry not to be here to meet you, but he'll try and get down one day next week. He sent me some flowers. You saw them, didn't you? Yes, they were beautiful. What else did it say? Nothing. Just thanking me for bringing you home. That's just like him. He's very kind. It's such a pity you won't be meeting him. Another time, perhaps. I don't think it's time you were getting up to bed. I'm not at school any longer. <laughs> Sorry, force of habit. I'm going anyway. It's been such a busy day. Good night, Grace. Good night. I'm so glad Henry sent you to keep me company. Oh, I'm glad, too. Good night, Mary. Grace, hmm? do you ride? Yes, a little. Good, we'll go out tomorrow, then. Night. Good night. Would you like some more coffee? No, thank you. There was something else in the letter. Mr. Baxter asked me to tell you all I know of Janet. Well, what do you want to know? She's not well, is she? You're not just a companion, are you? No, I'm a nurse. Does Janet know? No. I shouldn't tell her if I were you. I'm not going to. She seems to have a fear of doctors. May extend to nurses. Yes, it probably does. Mr. Baxter felt that so long as she was going to have a companion, it may as well be somebody who would be of some help in an emergency. Sounds like a good idea. Do you know Mr. Baxter well? No, I've never met him. I, his wife engaged me. Well, I think I'll just look in on Janet and then I'll go to bed. Mrs. Gibbs will get you anything that you need. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Oh, you want something, Miss? No, thank you, Mrs. Gibbs. I'm going to bed now. Oh, good night, then, Miss. Good night. Oh, can I clear away, Miss? Yes, of course. Nice of you to bring Janet home. I enjoyed the trip. She's all right, isn't she? She's uh, she's not any worse. Worse? Poor darling thing. I don't know how she puts up with it. I really don't. What do you mean? This terrible thing that's torturing her. Never a minute's rest from it, day or night. What thing, Mrs. Gibbs? Oh, you don't know. No, I don't. Sorry, Miss Hyde. Oh, no, please, Mrs. Gibbs. I'm very fond of Janet. Oh, she's fond of you, too. She told me last time she was home. Oh, I'm sorry, miss. I thought you knew about her mother and father. Only that they were dead. They're not. Leastways, her mother isn't. Her mother's still alive? Well, if you can call it that, she's locked up in an asylum. You must have seen the place this afternoon. How terrible. Not so terrible as what her mother did that put her there. What was that? Well, it was six years ago. Six years ago this month. Janet was 11 then, and such a happy child. She was always laughing and joking. <laughs> oh, we had such fun in those days. This was a happy house. Janet and her mother and father. What happened? It was Janet's birthday. She and I had been out for a walk after lunch. 
her mother hadn't been well and was staying in bed. So we'd arranged a little tea party which we were going to have up in her mother's room. We got back, I think it was about three. Janet had found some wildflowers that she picked for her mother. I'm going to take these up to Mummy. I'll take your coat off first. Oh, no, afterwards. The scream at the end of the clip occurs as the 11-year-old Janet charged into the room to find her mother standing over her father's murdered body clutching a bloody cake knife with a happy birthday Janet cake lit up bright as day with candles behind her mother. The look on her mother's face seems to be a dissociative psychotic break that has occurred to her mother as well. Mrs. Gibbs rushes in to embrace the child and the voiceover returns and so I don't have to write anymore. That's our next <laughs> clip. She was 11, miss, 11 years old. Can you imagine what a thing like that could do to the mind of a child? No. They found her mother insane. Perhaps it would have been better if she hadn't been. Perhaps it would have been better if it had been a, a cold-blooded killing by a sane and normal person. Why do you say that? Well, Janet had a nervous breakdown after that. She was in hospital for weeks. And when she came out, she started to worry. That's what's been troubling her this last couple of years. The terrible worry that she might have inherited something from her mother, that she might be insane too. That's not very likely, is it? I don't know, miss. These things can happen, I've heard. Not very often. No, perhaps not, but... Has it occurred to you that the terrible worry that it might happen could be sufficient to drive a person out of their mind? The film cross-dissolves from this into the manor at night, outside, and cuts inside to Mrs. Gibbs, battening down the hatches for the night when she hears a noise and investigates. She is startled by the teacher on the way to bed with a book, who has a little fright of her own heading up the stairs when she notices an open door and stoops about. She says Janet's name, but Janet is not around until she runs into her around the corner. They converse, and thank goodness, because that was a lot to write, so that's our next clip. <laughs> you frightened me. What do you want? I thought I heard something. I went into your room to see if you were all right. I'm all right. What are you doing out here? I had a dream. At least I think it was a dream. Did you see anyone? No. If it was a dream, what am I doing here? Come back into your room. You can tell me all about it. Come on. What is it? She was standing there. Who was? The woman. I dreamed I woke up and she was standing there. She was staring at me. And she turned and walked towards the door. No, she didn't walk. She seemed to drift. When she got to the door, she turned round and beckoned me. She wanted me to follow her. When I got to the corridor, she'd gone. I was looking for her when you... You found me out there, didn't you? That part of it wasn't a dream. Where does the dream finish and reality begin? Perhaps it wasn't a dream, but Of course it was a dream. You must have been walking in your sleep. Perhaps I was awake all the time. How could you have been if you dreamed it? You know what they say about people who see things when they're awake? I don't think... They're mad. Don't say that. Well, it's true, isn't it? Try and get this into its right perspective, Janet. You're a highly strung girl. There's nothing wrong with that. Hundreds of people are highly strung. What it means is that your imagination is liable to play tricks. You can't keep it in control the same as other people. You're highly imaginative, nothing more than that. You've got to learn to control that imagination. Do you understand me? 
you say so. Come on now. Into bed. I need my sleep even if you don't. I've got a long journey tomorrow, remember? Do you have to go? You know I do. Anyway, you don't need me now. You've got Grace. Yes. I still wish you didn't have to go. This house is a much brighter place now we've got you back home. Mrs. Gibbs, hmm? did Mary say anything to you before she left? Or say what? Anything about me? No, darling, why should she? You don't think... You think I'm all right, don't you? What do you mean, all right? Well, you don't think I'm like Mummy? No, darling, of course not. Mummy used to have dreams. She told me about... Now, look, once dear. Your mother was very ill. Now, you know that. But I have these dreams. Well, that's nothing. So do I. We all have dreams. Not like mine. Oh, never mind, darling. You're home now, and everything will be all right. She walks out of the room, but notices something is very off with Janet as she seems to have that fearful, disassociated look on her face once again. She hesitates to say more at the door and apprehensively leaves. This is the end of the very first 20 minutes, and oh man, what a freaking setup. I'm telling you, 20 minutes in, and <clears throat> the, uh, the, girl, the, the teacher that drove her drove with her is still there. And it's only like an hour 22. <laughs> well, this teacher very clearly uh, very much cares for Janet. Um, she's mm -hmm. very concerned about Janet's well-being. Uh, this isn't exactly an ideal situation because she doesn't really have a specific caregiver. And all that the teacher knows is that um, Janet needs to get set up and she needs to make sure she's OK before she can return to work. And I think sure. taking some time and making sure that this new nurse caregiver is OK and that Janet's comfortable and she's adjusting. And I think it, right as she's leaving the end, the room there at the very end of the 20 minutes that we're talking about here, I think she's considering offering to stay even longer to keep an eye on Janet like she. She's almost wanting to yeah. do it, but she has to get back to her life. I think so. I mean, I may be interpreting that a little bit differently, but clearly she is not wanting to leave Janet alone, even just in that room at that moment either. I think so. <laughs> All right. You have anything else to say about the first 20 or do you want to move on to the next? Maybe I should just save everything for the end. I, I'm watching the movie again in two ways, the <laughs> clips and then you, you reading it and it, it's very effective. I'm trying to convey the story as best I can. I gave this one no. a lot more time than what I've done the notes previously on this show. Like I was like, no, this is a hammer film, dude. I gotta, I gotta muster the old respect I used to give movies as much as possible. Well, I certainly appreciate that. I'm sure uh, the filmmakers would as well. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the second twenty. Uh, that starts okay. with Janet and Grace waving goodbye to a car that is pulling away. They head inside, and we see the teacher is leaving. They discuss how Janet requires looking after and ways that they can help her in our next clip. I'm sorry you're leaving, miss. So am I, in a way. Janet? She needs looking after, John. I know. I'll keep my eye on the best I can. I know you will. You and Mrs. Gibbs. But she needs something more than that, doesn't she? She has to learn to believe in herself again. That's the most important thing. Perhaps Grace... Miss Maddox will be able to help. I hope so, miss. I hope so. You know, this house is a much brighter place now we've got you back home. 
Mrs. Gibbs, hmm? did Mary say anything to you before she left? Or say what? Anything about me? No, darling, why should she? You don't think... You think I'm all right, don't you? What do you mean, all right? Well, you don't think I'm like Mummy? No, darling, of course not. Mummy used to have dreams. She told me about... Now, look, dear. Your mother was very ill. Now, you know that. But I have these dreams. Well, that's nothing. So do I. We all have dreams. Not like mine. Oh, never mind, darling. You're home now, and everything will be all right. They cram a lot into the three acts. Yes. A lot. Yeah, they totally do. All right, so this leads into a sequence where Janet is asleep, peacefully in bed. She is frightened awake by a woman in white with a scar on her face hovering over her. The woman moves to leave, but pauses twice to turn back and give a disheartening look at Janet as though she wishes to have her follow after. Janet rises from the bed and does just that. She pensively moves behind the woman in the hallway, who is definitely trying to lead her somewhere. The tension in this sequence is palpable as the woman disappears into the dark of a doorway and Janet follows her, visibly shaking and breathing heavily in fear. Everything is played off of the actress portraying Janet in this and she portrays sheer terror so well and she's so vulnerable and you feel for her so much in this sequence. The room is apparently her parents' old bedroom and she is horrified to find the woman in white appears to be a nurse and is laying there stabbed on the bed along with the happy birthday Janet cake blazing away. This sends Janet over the edge, justifiably so, as she flees through the dark corridors of their stately manor house. She is found by Grace as she is cackling madly in hysterics as Grace uses physical abuse to quote-unquote snap her out of it. This cuts to our next clip. Yes, the doctor's with her now. Yes, all right, I'll tell him. How is she? Goodbye. Uh, she's much quieter now, Mrs. Gibbs. How did you get him? Yes, he'll be here tomorrow afternoon at three. Oh, well, I've given her a sedative. It should last through the night. Uh, look in about seven in the morning. If she wants it, she can have two of these. Yes, doctor. Good night, Mrs. Gibbs. Good night, doctor. Thank you so much for coming, doctor. See you tomorrow. Good night. Why does the doctor want to see Mr. Baxter? I don't know, but we have to find that out tomorrow when he comes. You better go to bed, Mrs. Gibbs. What about you? I'll stay up. I'll look in on Janet from time to time. Oh, it's such a relief having you here, miss. I'm sure I'd never have managed on my own. <laughs> Nonsense, Mrs. Gibbs. Go to bed. Good night, then, miss. Good night. After this, we see Janet in bed once again and either struggling to stay awake or working herself up with dread of the possibility of seeing that woman in white again. And this leads to our clip. I agree with most of what you say, Doctor. She is nervous. She is highly strung. But what I don't agree with is that it goes any further than that. I'm only giving you my professional opinion, Mr. Baxter. You've known Janet a long time. You know her whole background, this abnormal fear she has that she may inherit her mother's insanity. Surely you must see that to send her away would only make that situation worse, not better. But she must have properly supervised psychiatric treatment. I'm not advocating an asylum, just a private sanatorium. Well, doctor, you and I know the difference between such places. Would Janet? I don't think she would. Well, all right, Mr. Baxter. Naturally, I can do no more than make recommendations. Whether or not you act on them is entirely your concern. But at least grant me one thing. What's that? If there are any repeats of last night, then please get another opinion. Just don't leave things to sort themselves out. They won't, you know. That's a promise. That's a sensible young lady you sent down to keep Janet company. She came well recommended. Uh, one of the most important things is for Janet to have people around her that she likes and trusts. And yet you advocate sending her away. Uh, as a first choice, yes, I do. But you rule that out. 
Well, no, who knows? You may be right. Let's hope so, anyway. Uh, how is she? Oh, much better. Still a little dopey, though. You gave her the sedative? Yes, at 7 o'clock this morning, like we told you to. Good. I'll look in tomorrow. Thank you, Doctor. Think of the one I said, Baxter. Yes, of course. Now, thank you, Doctor, and goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, may I see her now? Oh, yes, please do. She's so looking forward to seeing you. Where have you been? You should have met me from school. I couldn't. I'm sorry. Was it your wife? Oh, she hates to be left alone. Am I forgiven? Yes. If you promise to stay here for a while. Oh, I'm afraid I can't this time. Oh, please, Henry. I need you. Honestly, I do, Henry. You're the only one who understands. Can I go to London with you? Perhaps. But uh, later. When you're better. Did the doctor say I was ill? He said you needed rest. Nothing else? No. Why? You know why. What he said only confirms what I've known all along. There's nothing wrong with you. You won't let them take me away, will you? Take you away? What on earth for? You won't. No, of course I won't. This is where you belong. And as far as I'm concerned, this is where you're going to stay. Now, I must be going. Goodbye, my dear. I'll see you soon. During that clip, when Henry goes to visit Janet in bed, she kisses him just a little too long that it seems to make even him quite uncomfortable. I don't know if you noticed that ever watching it. Absolutely. Nope, she does. It's a little creepy, almost like he's not treating her like the child that she is, and he may have ulterior motives for making people believe she's crazy because of some nasty shit he's done. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep, he's not. He's icky. Yeah, a teenage girl just does not kiss someone who is, you know, she is the ward of like that unless he has basically groomed her or done something untoward. And I think they want to do, because Hammer's real good at doing little hints at stuff like that and just leaving it out there for you to deal with it on your Mm -hmm. own. Yeah, (laughs) and she's way way into him. Yeah, and Sangster, uh, the screenwriter, is really good at layering in little subtle things like that. If it gets shot the way he wrote Mm -hmm. it, you really feel it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, So she lays down at the end of the clip and it fades to night in her room as we see her awakened by the sound of her door opening slowly. The door handle turns up and down and she asks who it is. Then she gets up to investigate by listening at and then slowly opening the door to look around the hallway. She sees a shadow down that corridor and follows it to investigate. She rounds the corner and sees the shadow down that next corridor. So she bravely follows that shadow until she is in a vacant room. And we hear the audio of her as an 11-year-old, and we know what room this is once again. She runs back into her own room to find the lady in white stabbed and left upon her bed and flees down the stairs to the ground floor of the home. She collapses at the foot of the stairs and is carried back to her room. That leads to our next clip. No! No, please, not here, not here, please. It's all right, dear. Everything's all right now. Grace, please don't make me stay here. Perhaps you'd like to sleep somewhere else, Miss Janet. Please, John, please. My room. All right, John, you may go now. Good night, Miss Janet. Take these. What happened, Janet? Janet, what happened? All right, now. Don't leave me alone. Of course not. You don't want me to go. I don't even know who she is. I don't even know who she is. Who? How can you dream about someone you don't know? I've never met her before, ever. Oh, Grace, what does she want from me? What does she want? Dreams and imagination can be very strange at times. Often things happen that we just can't explain. Now go to sleep. It's your birthday tomorrow. You want to be fit for that. 
go to sleep. She wakes up in the morning and goes to look at her room, checking the wardrobe and grabbing a house coat to warm up. As she heads downstairs, she starts calling out for Grace, but happens upon the lady in white instead in broad fucking daylight while she is clearly wide <laughs> awake. I don't want to say that this is gaslighting, but it sure feels like gaslighting. <laughs> it, it does, doesn't it? We've seen several movies along these lines, and it, it feels like gaslighting. Janet is very distraught, asking to know what the woman wants and begging the woman to leave her alone. She runs off as the woman slowly approaches her. She is trapped as a door she fled to is locked. We see her take her radio and use it to break her mirror to gain a shard of broken mirror and seven years bad luck. (laughs) She takes that shard and appears to cut herself, although it's off camera. And that is the end of the first 40 minutes. Good Lord, this poor girl, someone or something is just tormenting her. And we have no idea who. I mean, we've got ideas, but nothing's for sure. Well, I am convinced at this point that someone is tormenting this girl and not some kind of entity, and I don't think it's herself. I think someone's preying on this young girl's fears for their own ends. That's why I said it sure feels like gaslighting, but I don't know who it is, and I don't know why they would be doing it at this point. Exactly. Exactly. And this is pretty much the halfway point of the film, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a very long one, and it, it packs a lot in. All right. Do you have anything more, or do we want to move on to the next? Uh, I mean, this is uh, clearly Act 2. They all take place under different circumstances and a different set of characters that are added or taken away. Uh, and I think that really helps because in the third act, that comes back together. Yeah, we have like um, each act is about 20 to 25 minutes, depending. And there's probably about three of them gauging about how this is going so far. But I feel like given the structure of what this film is, it has a little bit of a film noir sense to it as well. And you know how film noirs always have that wrap up. Everything's going to be OK now. Sure. Segment at the very end. And I feel like that's going to be like 10 minutes and that's like at the end of the act. So that's kind of the total runtime. It's just over a little hour by about 12-ish or so. No, it's an hour and 22, isn't it? So yeah, Yeah, hour 22. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be doing that sort of film noir wrap up is how it feels to me. There's definitely three acts. You're definitely right there. I just feel like they had a little bit of a coda. Otherwise, this would have been just barely an hour. No, no, you're absolutely right. All right, so uh, the next 20 starts with the shard of glass being shown to Grace and our next clip. Luckily, I heard the mirror breaking, so I managed to reach her in time. I put a tourniquet on her, and then I called the doctor. He's with her now. How is she? Well, she's still suffering from shock, mostly. She's lost a lot of blood, not enough to do her any real harm. Thank God for that, anyway. Oh, doctor, how is she? She's quiet now, but I'm very worried about her. Oh, I've taken your advice. I've brought someone down from London to see her, Sir James Dudley. Come in and meet him. Uh, would you ask Janice to come down? Please? Yes, Doctor. Come on in. Who is it? What do you want? I've got a surprise for you. Mr. Baxter's here. Henry, he's come for my birthday. Mm-hmm. I knew he wouldn't forget. Grace, does he know about my... Yes, yes, I'm afraid he does. Is he angry? No, of course not. You saved my life. Nonsense. Yes, you did. You did? Oh, how are you feeling, dear? She's all right, Mrs. Gaines. I know. Happy birthday, darling. Oh, I'm sorry. You haven't met my wife, have you? Helen. (laughs) 
is the woman who has been tormenting Janet, or at least has the direct appearance, scar on the face and everything. And Janet reacts as you would pretty much expect, given the situation of what she's been put through. She grabs the cake knife and repeatedly stabs the woman in the chest, to the horror of all of the partygoers. This seems like she was gaslit to do this exact same thing somehow, using her birthday as a trigger. Yes. That's in my notes, Easily. and this is my first time watching where I'm like, this really feels like someone's manipulating her to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. But who? That's the thing is I'm like, who would do this to this poor girl for this? And then I'm like, okay, yes. since it's this guy's wife that's being murdered, clearly Henry's in on it. That much I can th- right. I know for sure. Sure. But why? Besides having his wife killed, yeah. who's going to help him in the house, right? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and you're not sure, really. Yeah. You're, uh, to this point, no one has given any indication because they're so either genuinely filled with concern for Janet or they're so fucking duplicitous and evil that they feign it so well that you can't tell as a viewer. Yeah, no. I am sure this will be the turning point to propel us into the final acts of the film. So this death is real as we see the body being hauled away because really we don't know what was happening and how much of this was in her mind or being, you know, part of her torment. But this is definitely real because there are people hauling away the body now Uh (laughs) and she's nowhere in sight to see it. Janet is also carted off on a stretcher as well. As she sits up, she notices the woman in white still standing at the window in the house. She is so broken at this point, she can hardly speak. She just kind of mumbles something about her being up in the window, but no one can really hear her. Henry enters the house to find John scrubbing the blood out of the carpet. Seems a bit soon for that. Maybe the police should have Uh, been there first. Well, you know, forensics. Yeah. They have a bit of an uneasy look to each other, and it cuts to the woman in white who removes a mask to burn it and a wig, and it turns out it was Grace tormenting Janet, and the gaslighting manipulation was a success. So, Henry put Grace in the house to manipulate Janet into murdering his wife. Now, we don't know why Grace would help him. Is it just money or is it something a little more, you know, in the nether regions of each of them that drives them to do this? We don't know just yet. Right. They cross-dissolve from this to Janet in that padded cell that looks exactly like it did at the start of the film. And then we dissolve into the funeral for Henry's wife. Henry offers Grace a ride in more ways than one, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. And they dissolve dissolve uh, from this to see Janet praying in her cell. And then it dissolves back into that second ride I was alluding to, which is over with. And Henry's dressed and grabbing a cigarette. And Grace is all nude in bed and looking like she's enjoying her afterglow from what had just happened, sexually speaking. (laughs) Everybody's getting what's going on here, right? Like, everybody's getting this, right? Like, they understand what's happening from what they're seeing. Yeah, it's pretty tawdry, even for 1964. (laughs) Good, good. I'm glad we're all getting it. So, Grace and Henry have an embrace when he goes over to see her in the bed, and uh, there's dialogue, so that is our clip. Well, happy. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Three long months, nothing but waiting. It's all over now. All over. Everything. The beauty of it is that nothing or no one can touch us. In law, we're guilty of nothing. (laughs) My husband should know. He's a lawyer. Come here, lawyer. What's the matter? We've been here two hours and you haven't unpacked yet. (laughs) Who cares? Come here. Mm -mm. I want a drink. Well, you can ring downstairs. I'm going downstairs. I'll see you in the bar. And hurry up. Ten minutes. Hello? No, I'm sorry. He's on his way downstairs. You'll find him in the bar, I think. That's all right. Goodbye. What's this? What you ordered, sir? Whiskey. I ordered a large whiskey. That's what you've got. 
I don't agree. I do the tea, sir. The barman doesn't come on till 5.30. You're too late for tea. I don't want any tea, thank you. <laughs> I can't promise you anything, but would you like a drink? Mm, scotch, please. Who was it? Who was what? Who wanted you on the phone? Nobody. Why? Well, there was a call for you upstairs. Oh, that's strange. Oh, Mr. Baxter. I'm uh, sorry about the drink, sir. That old fool thinks it's a social evil to drink before six o'clock. I'll get you another one. Thank you. I'd have uh, come earlier if I'd known it was you in the bar, sir. Oh, why? I'd like to look after my regular customers. Look after them and then look after you, eh? Uh, scotch for you, sir. Piano for madam. I hate piano. Oh, but madam always drink. Oh, oh, I'm... I'm I think sorry, you must Mr. be mistaking me for someone else. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Um, madam's drinking... Um, scotch, please. Scotch, yes, that's two scotches. Fool. But you said you'd never been here before. I haven't. Old customer, he called you. Yes, I know. I heard him. Well, what does it mean? I've no idea. He's obviously mistaking me for someone else. Cheers. Mm. Cigarettes? In my pocket. Where did you buy these? What? These cigarettes. They're mentholated. You don't usually smoke these. No, I don't. Well, neither do I. So whose are they? <laughs> I have no idea. They're not mine. Well, they're in your pocket. Well, I, I don't know how they got there. Henry. Hmm? Why did you go last night after dinner? For a walk. I told you. Yes. So you told me. Oh, Mrs. Baxter. Yes. Mr. Baxter not with you? No, he's at the post office. Why? Well, it's um just that I have a message for him. Well, I take it. Well, um, a lady called. Oh? Oh. A lady. She wouldn't give her name. She said Mr. Baxter would know who it was. I see. Thank you very much. I'll tell you, I haven't got the vaguest idea who it was. Yesterday might have been a coincidence, but not today. You've seen her, haven't you? Seen who? This woman. The one who's called you twice. The one who smokes mentholated cigarettes. The one you stayed with here once before. <laughs> well, I've never been here before. So you said, but the barman didn't seem to think so. Well, he made a mistake. Yes, you said that too. Look, there doesn't seem to be much point in discussing the matter. You're obviously not going to believe anything I say. No, I'd like to, but I can't. Where are you going? Look, well, what do you want me to tell you, madam? You can tell me the truth, for a start. The truth? What about? You didn't make any mistake last night, did you? Last night? You know what I'm talking about. I... Look, madam, um, how long have you been married? Oh, don't think that's got to no, do with it. Please, madam, how, how long? Four days. Oh, well, that's all right then. I mean, what, what happened took place before you were married? What happened? Well, Mr. Baxter has been here before, about um, three weeks ago. Alone? Last fling. <laughs> Farewell to bachelordom. And he was not alone? Well, when he arrived, yes, he was. But there was a, a young lady staying here. They were the only two guests. You know how it is. Yes, I know exactly how it is. You can deny it until you're blue in the face, but listen to me. You might have been all kinds of a gay boy before, but you're married to me now, till death do us part, and I intend to keep it that way, understand? So if you've got any ideas about getting rid of me, you can forget them. Because we are tied together legally, and because of what happened back there at Hightowers. But I don't want to get rid of you. Good. At least we agree on one thing. What are you doing? 
I'm sick of this place. I want to go home. All right. I'll phone Mrs. Gibbs. Mrs. Gibbs? Of course. You didn't expect me to give her the sack, did you? Well, we're not going back there. Oh, yes, we are. But what about the flat? I've sold it. Why? Because we're going to live at High Towers. That's what I've always intended to do. But it's not your house. It's as good as mine. I'm the sole executor. Besides, who else is going to live in it now? I don't want to go back there. Well, I'm afraid you'll just have to put up with it. You might at least have had the courtesy to wait until Mrs. Gibbs was out of room. Why? So she could find out what sort of man you really are, is that it? If you listened to me, you wouldn't have to worry about Mrs. Gibbs. I told you I didn't want us to come here. And I told you that this is where we're going to live, whether you like it or not. The fact that I can't stand this place doesn't worry you at all. Not particularly, although I think you're being stupid. You're the one who's being stupid. No good can come of us being here, I can feel it. <laughs> now I know you're being stupid. Well, I'm going to bed. Are you coming? We've got things to talk about first. Not this honeymoon business again. Honeymoon? <laughs> That's a laugh. Look, I did not meet another woman before we were married. I did not make any clandestine dates. In fact, I didn't do any of the things you seem to think I did. Now, I'm not going to argue about it anymore. Oh, no, you don't. You're not going to get out of things as easily as that. Get out of my way, Grace. And you can scour me all you like. You don't frighten me. You don't frighten me one little bit. I'm not trying to frighten you, but listen. I've put up with quite a bit from you these last couple of days. At first, I tried to reason with you, but that doesn't seem to work. Now I'm telling you, stop acting like an ill-tempered little child and start behaving yourself. If you don't, I'll... You what? Lawyer? What'll you do? I'll throw you out. And don't try to tell me I can't, because I can and I will. I've worked hard for what we've got now. My wife's money and all this as well. And I don't intend to have the satisfaction spoiled for me by a hysterical female who doesn't know when she's well off. So you'd throw me out, would you? If I have to. So you can bring in that other woman. <laughs> I'm beginning to wish there was another woman I could bring in. As we've heard in the clip, if you marry a gaslighting monster who you also help murder his wife for just being in the way of your happiness and his, and her getting access to her money, you get exactly what you wanted. That same fucking monster. Yep. yep. We had this discussion, Elizabeth and I, last night about how if uh, if they'll do that to somebody else and you help them, they'll do that to you. <laughs> right. That's why you always have to have mutually assured destruction with a criminal and you never give them any opening whenever you work together. Like you basically exactly. you, you do your crime and then you separate and never see each other again. <laughs> yes. Doing, crisscross, crisscross. Right. If you're murdering someone, if you're helping to murder someone to get rid of a spouse and then replace that spouse, you're next on the chopping block because this monster will yep. do it again. Yes, 100%. We definitely hear him strike her at the end of the clip when all of his other abuser playbook moves don't work on her because she knows how they go and she sees through them. He storms out of the room like a child and leaves her there sobbing after smacking her very hard across the face. Mm. If they both weren't fucking monsters, I would almost feel sorry for her. But alas, yep. she's getting what she deserves. This is true film noir comeuppance right now. Yep. Mrs. Gibbs enters the room and Grace interrogates her about the various women Henry brings to the house. There is no lead there for her to follow and we fade into the next day. Henry is gone and won't be back for the entirety of the day until later that evening. There is another call and a justifiably dubious Grace demands to know who is looking for Henry. They cut from this to that same argument about who Henry is throwing a bone in when the power goes out. So Henry uses this as an excuse to avoid the argument. 
<laughs> he's being super fucking sus. He's not sounding like an actually innocent man. He's sounding like a guilty man trying to pretend like he's an innocent. Uh-huh. This sends Grace off through the darkened manor where she hears a disembodied voice and she sees her own woman in white and gets the proper response to being gaslit. She goes after the suspected woman to find Janet's doll she took with her to the hospital laying there in the hallway. Grace begins a room-to-room search and that hits the full hour mark of the film. So, someone is going after Grace as Grace and uh, Henry went after poor Janet. But, is it Henry doing it? Is he now trying to get rid of grace for some reason to dispose of all the evidence or is someone else Uh involved why is this happening to grace now or is perhaps grace being haunted or something supernatural is now afoot because of what they've done could be yeah and it's uh you've got no sympathy for her whatsoever i will say that you do get a glimpse of the woman and the woman that she's following that's dressed in white looks very much like janet in white it's just a yeah, very brief uh, grim, a glimpse, but yeah, it's the same yes. short cropped blonde hair that you see yep. moving very quickly mm-hmm. with the dress. That's very important to note because you do see yes. it right off the bat, which is what's kind of driving Grace a little nuts, is that she's thinking she's seeing Janet everywhere. And when Janet's doll is left there in the hallway, they're very clearly trying to say that this is Janet now for some reason uh-huh. that's that's coming back after Grace. Um, yes. All right. So we're ready to roll into the final 20 if you are, unless you want to have something to yep. add to nope. this first hour. Nope. That's good. No, sir. You've got it. (laughs) All right. The final 20 starts mid-search, where we follow Grace going room to room, cautiously looking for that lady in white that she saw with the blonde hair. She gives herself a start when she pulls back a drape and the draft forces the door shut, startling her. She pulls it together. I mean, she may be a fucking monster, but man, is she a really calculating and cold one because she knows Mm. someone's screwing with her. She's a little terrified, but she's locked in the room and then she just goes to make a phone call. And that's our next clip. Marlowe 624, please. Marlowe 624. Is that the sanatorium? Speaking. This is Mrs. Henry Baxter. Have you any news? I rang to inquire about Janet Freeman. Hello? Are you still there? Yes, Mrs. Baxter. Well? I'm sorry. I thought Mr. Baxter would have told you. Told me what? I don't think I should... Look, whatever you told my husband, please tell me now. Very well, madam. Janet Freeman escaped from here three days ago. We're very worried about her. I'm afraid she's not at all well. Dangerous? She could be, madam. Is she dangerous, yes or no? Yes, I'm afraid she is. Grace? Grace, are you there? Go away! Open the door! Go away! I think this indicates that Grace is uh, reaping what she has sown. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. She stays locked within the room for the night as we see her sleeping and the doorknob moves as it did for poor Janet. This culprit uses the old push the key out from the outside because it's one of those old fashioned locks where you have to use the key Mm -hmm. on either side. You can lock yourself in or you can lock yourself out, but the only way to unlock the door is the key. So you can use like a knitting needle or a longer pocket knife or whatever will fit in the lock to do this same trick where you push the key out and catch it on some paper and then pull it underneath the door. This is yep, a, torso. This is a very cinematic trick that we've seen in a lot of different movies. But in this yes. case, we know that whatever's happening here, this particular culprit is very slick and knows exactly what they needed to do to gain access. Uh-huh. 
Yes. It is pretty obvious that it is Janet, or at least someone that looks like her now, because we definitely see the exact same haircut and everything. And she only mm-hmm. just collects her doll and leaves the room. That's all she does. It dissolves from this into the following morning where Grace awakens to the missing doll and a knife where it used to be, as well as the evidence the key was switched out to the outside because of whoever was there left mm-hmm. it on the outside. Yes. She finds Mrs. Gibbs and another maid tidying up and asks them about her husband's whereabouts and this knife she found next to her. Henry is gone and the knife has never been seen by either of them before they Hmm. state. She gets a cigarette to calm her nerves and John walks in to state that the knife is possibly his pruning knife and that Mr. Baxter had borrowed it yesterday. We hear a mad giggle that sounds a lot like Janet as Grace spins around getting yet another taste of her own medicine. Mm -hmm. She takes the knife to go investigate the noise and sees what appears to be Janet dressed in white doing the same cat and mouse routine that was done to her by Grace. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Grace apprehensively enters the room that Janet appeared to dart into and finds Mrs. Gibbs just there, no one else, or the other maid with her anyway. They start conversing, and you know, that's dialogue, so that's our next clip. <laughs> Did you see anyone? Ooh. Anyone? A woman? Someone in this house, hiding. I want her found. Do you understand? Well, what are you waiting for? Go and look for her. Get John to help. I want the whole house searched from top to bottom. Now! We made us go over the whole house from top to bottom, and then she made us search the whole place again. I didn't even know what I was supposed to be looking for. Well, what did she say? Well, she said something about someone else being in the house. I don't know, but... Well, pardon me for saying so, but I don't think she's well. Where is she now? She's in her room. She hasn't been out all day. Thank you, Mrs. Gibbs. And uh, please convey my apologies to John and to Anne. All right. Grace? Grace, it's me. Go away. I want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Grace, open this door. What are you going to do? Break it down. If I have to. Managed to get in all right last night without breaking it down. What do you mean by locking yourself in all day? I'll tell you. Here, I'm safe. I don't have to worry about anybody sneaking up behind me with this. And what is that? That, my dear husband, is the knife you borrowed from John yesterday. I've never seen it before in my life. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to drive me out of my mind? Are you going to get Janet to kill me? Janet? Yes, Janet. I know about Janet. You're drunk. No, I'm not. I was drunk this afternoon, but I'm not anymore. I'm sober. I doubt that. Look, whatever it is you're trying to do, you're not going to get away with it, do you hear me? Who are you talking to? Oh, well, I'm glad you've decided to... Who was that in there? It was John. I don't believe you. I was apologizing to him for your behavior this morning. It wasn't John, was it? Well, what were you telling him? That I was sick? A little mad, perhaps? Is that what you were telling him? You liar! It was her, wasn't it? I don't know what the hell you're talking about! It was her! You've got it hidden somewhere here! But I'll find her! I'll find her! I'll find her! I'll find her! Is there something more that you want, madam? No! 
More coffee? I said no, but please leave me alone. Well, I'm just going down to the village now, if that's all Oh, right. do what you want. All right, we hear this at the uh, next day, at the very end of the clip. Uh, we see Grace chain-smoking, and she's rather short with Miss Gibb, as we heard in the notes. As mm-hmm. Mrs. Gibb just notifies Grace that she's leaving. Uh, Grace watches as John helps Mrs. Gibb into the car, and they drive off. She is starting to collapse under the strain as the clock chimes, and she hears music playing in the distance. She follows the sound of that music to what seems to be Janet's room. She opens the door to find that Janet's radio playing that exact same jazz that Janet always liked to jam. And then there's a doll right next to it, or that doll that Janet always carries. She smashes Mm -hmm. the radio and pulls at parts of the doll. And I think she kind of mutilates the face of the doll. We see it mutilated later. I think that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. They dissolve from this into her chain smoking even more and <sighs> staring at these artifacts laying about the room. Henry returns home and Grace prepares to confront him. This is too juicy dialogue to skip. So that is our next clip. There we go. You've emerged, I see. Does that worry you? Why should it? What have you got there? Don't you know? Janet, isn't it? Yes, Janet's. Where'd you find it? Where she dropped it. Janet? What are you talking about? Don't pretend you don't know. Well, I don't, and I'm busy. You're not too busy to listen to what I've got to say to you. That depends on whether you talk sense or not. Janet dropped this the other day. And don't play the innocent with me, because I know. Then tell me. You helped Janet to escape, didn't you? I did what? And then you brought her here. You got her hidden here somewhere in this house, haven't you? At first I thought it was your girlfriend flitting around. Well, now I know. What do you know? You brought Janet down here to kill me, didn't you? But you're not going to get rid of me as easily as you did your first wife. No. If Janet's here to kill, what's to stop her from killing you? Now, look. Stay where you are. I haven't finished yet. For God's sake, Grace, put down that knife and start talking some sense. I said, what's to stop Janet from killing you? Well, I can think of a number of reasons. For one thing, she isn't here. She's locked up miles away. And second, even if she was free, she'd never try to kill me. No, but I would. You had it all worked out, didn't you? All you had to do was get Janet down here. And she would stay where you are. Get Janet here and she'd do the rest. Uh, Well, it's not going to be that way at all. You know why? Because I'm going to kill you. Great, please. You shouldn't be too surprised. After all, attack is the best form of defense, isn't it? And I'm only defending myself. Because if I don't kill you, you'll kill me. You've been working up to this ever since we got back here. But you're squeamish. So you'll get some half-mad girl to do it for you. I can't be sure Janet would do the same thing for me, Henry. So I must do it for myself. It'll make no difference. She'll get the blame. Okay. Mm-hmm. With this, Grace goes full Norma Bates on Henry, stabbing him ever so dramatically, and pauses to have a Lady Macbeth out damn spot moment looking at the blood on her hands. They got both of those references into this death. Yes, they did. She wipes her hands on a towel in the room and then moseys on downstairs to make a call to the authorities. The call is hung up and she is confronted, and that is our final clip. Yes, we must. And Janet! Janet's here somewhere in this house. I saw her. Janet's in the asylum. You should know. You put her there. No! No, she ran away. She escaped. She must be here somewhere in this house. She must have come straight here. She's killed him. Please, please, ring the police. Number, please. Barlow 624, please. 
Call the line, please. It's asylum. Hello? Hello, 624. Yes? I'm speaking for Mr. Baxter, Doctor. I'd like to know how Janet Freeman is. Hold on a moment. Miss Freeman is getting on very well. We expect a complete recovery within a couple of months. Is that all you wanted to know? Yes, yes, thank you. I'm delighted to hear it. Thank you, Doctor. Goodbye. She's made remarkable progress. He believes she'll be perfectly all right in a couple of months. That's wonderful news. They told me. They told me she'd escaped. They told me themselves. No, I told you. I tapped your phone. I saw her. I saw her twice. You saw me. There isn't anyone else. You didn't have another woman. Nobody else. Only me. You didn't meet him at the honeymoon? He never met me. But the hotel man told me. For 50 pounds, he'd say anything. <laughs> Because of what you both did to Janet. No, I think we'd better ring the police. Would you connect me with the police, please? They show the dangling phone in the room where Henry is lying dead, as we heard it at the end of the clip there. It shows his corpse and the smash doll Janet used for comfort next to him. As in all Hammer films, Monster Dead, roll credits. Yeah, that was that yep. was great. I really enjoyed that film. The twist that obviously was the one that got me is at the very end, it's not just John. It's not just Mrs. Gibbs. Yeah. And either one of those could have been suspect. But never mm-hmm. would I have thought that Mary Lewis would have come back. So it's very clear that John and Mary and Mrs. Gibbs had a conversation and they all kind of gathered information about what was happening. And after Grace got married to Henry, they figured it out. And Uh obviously the arguments that they were having where Mrs. Gibbs could hear might have driven the point home even further. And it's almost immediately after that argument where their relationship falls apart. But they've even been doing this back on the honeymoon because they paid the bartender. So it goes even further back from before you can realize it. So it, it had to be almost instantaneous. It makes you wonder. Right? Like, Yeah. It makes you wonder when these people caught on to the idea that uh, they were trying to kill his wife through Janet. Yeah, but they obviously figured it out, and they believed Janet, and they came together to essentially very cruelly avenge her by doing to Grace what Grace did to Janet, and then forcing Grace to murder the man who forced Janet to murder his wife through Grace. Exactly. Oh, so great. That is, when I, when I said the film noir con- comeuppance that you always get at the end where the people who do bad Uh always have an equal punishment that is levied upon them before the very end of the film this is Mm -hmm. what i was talking about and it's that twist where the group gets together and they enact revenge perfectly to force each of what these people's evil acts was upon themselves perfect and even though janet killed a woman she's gonna make a complete recovery in a few months we hope yes so (laughs) that's what they say right and what you could actually do is i believe by having grace still be alive and having the same thing done to her maybe she'll cop a plea to clear janet's name in some way shape or form to get a lesser sentence but it's over with it's clear that she murdered her Mm -hmm. husband yes 
Very clear. And you've got three reliable people there to testify. Right. So it's basically you take this punishment, you help convince the police that Janet's innocent. When she gets better and mm-hmm. out of this asylum, you go to jail for however long they ever, uh, you know, put you in for with the prosecution and you never return mm-hmm. here again. <laughs> nope. We don't see you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's it's great. Uh, Freddie Francis directed this beautifully. It's shot wonderfully. And Sangster, this is like in his prime Sangster. Like, this is some really really good writing for yes. him too. Yes, and he produced it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Wow. Uh, you know, it's it's the like I I don't know like the black and white I would say is probably the only thing that sort of takes away from it because I love Technicolor Hammer so much, but the black and white photography is so gorgeous and it's this extra wide. It's you know the thing that they yeah. did that's the mini Hitchcock version of this is that like what two three five to one aspect ratio, uh-huh. the very wide uh, scope. Yes, and it's so gorgeous. And like they that. use it. Yeah. And they use it. Oh, yeah. They fill they every inch of the frame. You are right. Yes, absolutely. And they make good use of the black and white, the widescreen. I have a lot to say about this movie. This is where I'm going to make you proud that you invited me on. <laughs> I just want to say, too, the other thing that made it feel so much like a film noir was the effective use of shadow in obscuring things yes. and then revealing things and, and everything like that. And I'm going to step back because you've been relatively quiet. So you go ahead, man. This is your time. <laughs> So this is my favorite of the many Hitchcocks. I think that Paranoiac and Taste of Fear slash Scream of Fear are uh, close rivals. But any thriller slash horror film that takes any time at all at a girl's school is probably going to be pretty good. There is a pretty good percentage. Uh, I think we all know uh, a handful of horror films at girl's schools that's pretty good. Um, obviously, it's gaslighting, but also... There's some early Gialli that, that can that are uh, about G- gaslighting and even some later ones. And I'm not saying that um, this definitely influenced anything, but I think it does foreshadow some things in the future. A little bit foreshadowing the, the Red Queen kills seven times and the fact that the mother, who is the wife of Henry, I think she looks kind of like Angela Pleasance and the Red Queen. I think she's got a real Angela Pleasance look to her. I think that it has a lot of similarities to Happy Birthday to me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah. You've got the dead mothers. I mean, you've got the dead one dead mom, and you've got the one that's put away. You've got the birthday cake. You've got the Scooby-Doo masks uh, <laughs> that are great. So I think there's a lot to be uh, gleaned from that. Uh, I have never stayed overnight at a place that said that they had lit me a fire, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh <laughs> There, when it, it, it ends on a dangling telephone, like Baba's, um, the telephone of Blood and Black Lace, oh. I wondered if that c- couldn't be maybe an homage to Baba. Uh, yeah, because of his I black think, and white film photography, yeah. cinematography at the time, yeah. I think that this came after them. This the whole thing, it just works as a package, and it, it is able to trick you. I mean, you think it... it you think it is Henry, and then in the end, it is not at all, and you're actually receiving justice, and the teacher friend has been gone for so much of the film, you forget about her. Yeah, but she's so clearly you know? and very dearly cares about her, and it's evidenced by— Yes. Like, it's all played out, like, the way that it's convincing that she comes back is it's all played out on her face when she pauses to say goodnight to Janet, and she wants to stay longer mm-hmm. and take care of her, but you can tell that she has obligations dragging her away. And I think that yes. weighed heavily upon her conscience, and that is why she teamed up with uh, John and Miss Gibbs to do this. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 
you, I mean, you could tell that they all genuinely loved her, and I didn't have them as suspects, really. Uh, the teacher, like you said, when she's sitting on the bench by herself, really took a lot of time. You know, in today's, today's age, you would never send a teacher on a cross-country trip with a child uh, to make sure that they're okay. Uh, you know, that would be up to the family. That I don't think that would ever happen now. Uh, it's clear that, you know, we do things a little, a little differently now than we used to. Um, but no, the whole, the whole gothicness, I mean, it's really gothic as well. Oh, that uh, dark manner and feels like a ghost story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is so not well lit in that house. It's well lit for the camera, but not well lit for getting around in. <laughs> so true. But no, I love this one. Yeah. No, I love this one. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, this is this is definitely one like I, I will freely admit that I am a kind of not necessarily dip my toes in the waters of Hammer, but I am not like the deep diver for a lot of stuff. What I do is sure. just buy all the box sets to try and get as many of the movies that I can. And then I've been trying mm -hmm. to work through them. But, you know, Nightmare would not have been high on my list. And I am so glad really? that you scooped it up out of that obscurity for me and said, here, let's cover this. I knew there had to be a reason and you did not disappoint, sir. Your selection so oh, far. Good. Our hammer coverage has been amazing. I am so glad. And there were no atheists, atheist questions in this film where you and I had to discuss that. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, the nature of reality, uh, whether or not this is supernatural, whether or not it's karma that they get their comeuppance. Like it lays it out to where you can interpret it however you want. But I do love how it's sure. very straightforward. This is people doing things to people because of the horrible things that people have done. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it just turns on itself. Yeah, and the twist is super effective. Uh, it's 100% believable. I think maybe having Mary show up to just visit Janet in the asylum mm -hmm. would have been too much and would have mm -hmm. given away the plot because then you would have known who was so, torturing yeah. Grace. They they play their yep. hand very well and the reveal is extremely satisfying to me. I can see where it might not work for some other people and they might think it was a bridge too far, but what I was so surprised of is how effective that twist is in 1964 that not necessarily that I wouldn't have expected it to be coming, but so much so that I was like, Oh, of course. That's great. <laughs> uh huh. I love yes. the way they did it. Yes. And it's the first part where she's at school and then she gets taken home and the teacher stays and then there's Grace. And then it starts the second part where uh, she's being haunted and uh, she's, she thinks she's losing her mind. Uh, even, and even in the reveal of who's, you know, it's odd to reveal it that soon. You know that there's something else coming because you're nowhere near through the movie when we know who has been gaslighting. So you're wondering what kind of turn the film is going to take from there, and it turns right back into what you were watching, which is, uh, I love the stuff at the hotel with the, uh, the barman and how they're all in on it. Uh, and then you see their relationship just crumble. And I honestly think that Henry wanted to just be married to her. I don't think he was going to treat her particularly well, but I really do think that he, you know, that he was not gaslighting her. Obviously it wasn't him and that he was going to try to form a life with her. But she was very, she was very sure as she should be that if you help somebody do this sort of thing, to someone else, then they're just as likely to turn around and do it to you. Absolutely. That is definitely something we discussed right after that slap at the end of the clip. That's, yep. that's absolutely totally what is going to happen. You can expect that sort of thing. I mean, if you're friends with someone and you spend a whole lot of time and you murder someone together and uh, your friend helps you cover it up, just know that, you know, that increases the likelihood of that friend helping cover up your death. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because, yeah, no, it and I like it takes a genre formula, but Jimmy Sangster turns it on its ear, uh, and I think that's why he was so good. Uh, such a good writer oh yeah absolutely uh see the reason the twist works so well for me because what the movie had me convinced that i was seeing was a simple revenge plot in that i thought maybe janet really did escape from the asylum but with the help of john and mrs gibbs Mm -hmm. miss john and mrs gibbs knew what was happening i think they broke janet out told her she wasn't crazy and that they were seeking revenge and that janet was then actually the one leading grace around to get revenge she was able to torture her back and to drive her mad that's what i thought was a possibility of what was going on and i knew that i i was positive that john and mrs gibbs were in on it just because they were acting super sus you know and mm-hmm. i think the longing not the longing look but that really uneasy look exchanged between henry and john while john is cleaning up the blood i think that's kind of supposed to be a little bit of a hint like john knows what happened yeah i think so yeah and he he seems such a dependable fellow uh yeah and when he especially when he And he's so kind, too. So that look that he gives a man who's just had his wife murdered surely seems like he's like, you did this, not not Janet. This is somehow your fault. Well, also, they made his wife look so striking that she was a scary figure, especially in the dark at night. Did you feel like she she had any resemblance to Angela Pleasance? Because I asked Elizabeth too, and she said she thought she could see it. The the would-be wife of Henry that was murdered? Yes. There are some ways that the shadows upon her face, because it's very gaunt and angular, very much like Angela Pleasance uh-huh. um, yes. as well. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> uh, Janet had sort of a Mia Farrow quality to the performance, um, like, you know, where the way that Mia is able to just instantly go from like zero to overly worked up and just really starting to hyperventilate and like how she just turns on uh-huh. that floodgate like almost instantly. Uh, no, she's Je- very Je- good. Jeannie Linden. Oh my God. Her performance was very much like that where mm-hmm. like you feel her panting and gasping for air and just wishing for the torment to end. And it's just, it's heart wrenching. It really is. I think that the, the lady that played Grace did a really good job as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, you feel sympathy for her while you think she's one of the people trying to take care of Janet, but it turns out that no, she's just trying to manipulate Janet. And then like going back through the clips and like preparing, you know, just comparing my notes to where the clips were and everything prepping for the show was like kind of rewatching the film. And there's things that you can, once you know the story and how it's outlined, Uh there are definitely little hooks and clues that are left for you and breadcrumbs for you to follow through the story to where you will see what these characters motives are. And it's not a hundred percent plain but once you already know that they're there the film does a really good job of giving you these little subtle breadcrumbs to follow yeah it does and that's why i think it holds up on rewatch yeah i can see multiple rewatches being enjoyable because much like a a good agatha christie you know mystery or even a knockoff one like glass Mm -hmm. onion or knives out even there's so many little hints and nods and winks to what's about to happen and setups to when upon reflection or watching it again, you totally see them there that you didn't notice the first time. And you're like, Oh my goodness. And Uh this film does that very effectively. It has that like really well produced Agatha Christie mystery feel to it as well, which is kind of like what Alfred Hitchcock was doing as well. But also the salaciousness, the over the top nature, the gaslighting aspect of it, of trying to take a person who is already questioning their grasp on reality and their own mental well being and push them over the edge to commit murder is very much, a William Castle, like we said, straitjacket kind of thing. 
but still mm-hmm. has this film noir where everybody who does something awful gets punished. So it's like double indemnity done by William Castle. <laughs> it's basically what this is kind of yeah. like. No, I think it's very much in the vein of a proto slasher too, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's got a little bit of that vibe going on to you. Uh it's just it it comes from a lot of different places. Yeah, I could definitely see where maybe even some of the folks that produced Cremies would uh, or Crimmies would actually have seen something like yeah. this and ran with this storyline as well and tried to do something of their own similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see that absolutely. Um that's something I've seen a handful of uh and of course that evolved into somewhat the giallo as you know, there have been other forms of the Italian mystery before that, but no, how it all just kind of coalesced together into this big multinational conglomerate that would that would finance these films. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, I think I'm out of stuff. Uh, you think you have a question time, or are you ready to close the show? Or? I, I do. I have a, a couple of questions, and I would like to just kind of leave them open-ended. Okay, yeah. Well, let's roll into that. I'll go ahead and play a song here. We're going to have for the Pirate Radio Edit, Motorhead with the song Like a Nightmare, which I just found and have never heard before in my life. So cross your fingers and don't get offended by it out there, folks. Listen to this. safe i don't think anybody's going to get super offended by any of those lyrics there no (laughs) i wasn't offended by it so i don't see how anybody else could be (laughs) yeah brad is the uh end all be all no questions asked authority on whether or not you should be offended by something yes yes i am (laughs) and i wear that that title probably no it was a good song i enjoyed that yeah yeah well i don't have a thing to segue into it so i'll just probably either try to make something but i guess it's question time Okay, question time. First of all, I would like to ask, is this your first mini Hitchcock from Hammer? I think I may have seen Scream of Fear or Taste of Fear, but I don't okay. really remember it off the taste, like the top of my head. But this is the first yeah, one proper really that one. I was aware that that was a term and uh, that I was knowingly watching it as such. Okay. Uh, there, are, There's not a terrible one. Some are better than others. Uh, they made them from the snorkel... And then all the way through 1972, so over a decade, they made these films. Uh, obviously, some of the later ones in color. Um, does "Die Die My Darling" I, count as one of these? Yes, yes, it does. Okay, then I. Which it also. Go ahead. I was going to say I have seen "Die Die My Darling," so thank you, Misfits. Yeah, that counts. And that, yeah, and so and that actually doesn't that also belong to the Psycho Bitty 
genre as well. Yeah, I believe so because of the mother that keeps her hidden right. and stowed away. Yeah, it it definitely feels like a, a little influence from the Joan Crawford, uh, Betty Davis films mm-hmm. of the era. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so as far as Hammer goes, since we since we watched uh, was it Taste the Blood of Dracula the last one we saw that we talked about. Have you have you explored any more? Have you watched several Hammers since then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been digging in. Um, mainly, I've been going kind of back and watching some of uh, the other ones. But I've actually started digging into the box set. And uh, I, I was like, you know what? I want to see what this Robin Hood one was like. And it wasn't that much for me, but I, I totally enjoyed it. Um, I did watch... Um, the Night Creatures is the one that's like uh, the Dr. Sin, similar to the Disney movie that's uh, the Scarecrow or whatever. Yes. Right? Yes, Captain Captain Clegg, Night Creatures, yes. and then the Doctor Sin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Captain Clegg is the thing I was thinking of. So yes, I, I watched that one. Um, That's a fun one. Yeah, uh, I definitely have done uh, like Vampire Circus. I think since the last time we talked, I had definitely watched that a few okay. times. And I we've been covering some of the um, more uh, sleazy uh, Hammer ones, like the Ingrid Pitt starring vampire lovers and yes. stuff like that on the show here. Uh, since we did uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula, I believe was the last one that we did. Yeah, and uh, I'm a big fan of Lust of uh, Lust of a Vampire, and it's part of that Karnstein trilogy, and it's the most. It's the one that people like the least, but I think it's wonderful. Well, and it's 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 sleazy. Yeah, it takes place in a girls all girls school, and there is a lot of nudity. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um. So we covered like two of the three Karnsteins then on the show because uh, is Twins of Evil oh, that's a right. Karnstein one? Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. Well, you and I did uh, Twins of Evil, and then um, Matt and I did Vampire Lovers, and then you and I did Taste yeah. of Blood of Dracula. So this show yes. has two of the three Karnstein trilogy covered, and I would totally do Lust for the Vampire, Lust for a Vampire, oh, with you if you we, want, because I do oh, enjoy that one as well. Oh yes, oh yes, I would, please. It's all about yeah, the sleaze for me, though. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, and it, but it's got a lot going for it, other than that too. Uh, it's my favorite of those three and everybody thinks I'm crazy. Oh, well, I need to explore what that is because I love the sleaziness of it. I will, I will freely admit it. I am watching it like the horny toad that I am. And that's the whole reason that I enjoy <laughs> that film. Cause it gives me exactly well, what I want in that type of era of film. There's, yes, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll go on record. <laughs> all right. I'll go on record. Well, I'm sorry. I screwed all this up at the beginning and I was very nervous because I haven't been on your show in a long time, and Richard and I record sporadically, and I'm never nervous uh, over there. But I was, I was nervous to begin with. Oh well, there is absolutely nothing to apologize with. You had a little bit of a technical issue with your Bluetooth headset being able to connect. You did everything uh-huh. else just fine. I wouldn't even worry about that. I mean, nobody can control when Bluetooth headsets don't connect. I've had that happen to me well, trying to communicate at work. So don't worry oh, about it at so, all. And don't feel guilty. It's, it's and so I hope bad. I helped you relax and you aren't so nervous anymore. No, you did. Absolutely. No, I was uh, like, when people listen to this, it's, it's like watching the film because you get you who so masterfully have written it up, and uh-huh. then you get actual clips. You get clips of the movie. So, I mean, it. I watched the film again tonight. <laughs> that is actually what I'm striving for, so that is a very uh, much high You're succeeding. Uh, you're succeeding, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brad. <laughs> do we have any more well, questions sure. for question time, or do we want to call it quits for the night? No, I, I think that was that was the two. I wanted to know more about okay. you know what you had been Yeah. Yeah, I need to dig up that Vampire Lovers episode and listen to that. Oh, yeah, it's out there still. Absolutely. So, 
Just uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, go to Cinema Psyops's main page. You can get there by clicking on Legion Podcasts or just going to Legion Podcasts, clicking in the podcast tab, finding Cinema Psyops, or if you just want to type up the URL as I say it, like I'm saying it right now for everybody, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. <laughs> You've said that a time or two, I think. Oh, yeah, I say that all the time. Actually, I normally say it at the very end of the show, but we're not there just yet. I'm just giving that to you. It's out there. And I'm, you know, you mentioned it, so everybody gets that now here because it's a special yes. episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you should go out and listen to The Vampire Lovers. And even if you have before, do it again. Yeah, we give okay. all of the Hammer films some loving tribute. And Matt is definitely watching Vampire Lovers for the same reason that I am watching Lust for a Vampire, if you know what I mean. And I think you Sure. Do. Oh, I do. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, I think you're thinking I'm thinking right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to play the Ending Legion promo. We're going to come back with the song on the Pirate Radio edit from My Drug Hell, Teen Psycho Nightmare, number 99. Uh, three things that actually are in this film, a teen, a psycho, and nightmares. True. <laughs> when we come back, Absolutely. we'll close out the show. <laughs> if you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Go Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. that song from my drug hell because this particular album which is the only thing i've ever seen from my drug hell if there's more stuff than just the my drug hell album out there that people have found great i got this in the secondhand uh-huh. shop and i've never heard of it before i just pulled the trigger on it and i like the album it has a very like that 60s era feel to it where it has that swing and beat yes it, and they're having fun with it so uh-huh. i think it fits the movie really well besides just having the words no, teen does. psycho nightmare in it. no 
had a great song selection this evening. Oh, well, thank you. I strive to definitely achieve that as well. So again, this is super high praise. Thank you so much. No, no, you deserve it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's the way to get yourself back on the show to just continue to fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't say things that aren't true. You can ask Richard. <laughs> well, thank you again. That's high praise indeed. Thank you. All right. So folks, you can reach me on the Legion Discord chat if you want to have a little bit of uh, fun. Uh, there's a lot of other Legion podcasters on there as well. Uh, the chat's almost always popping with something fun or some memes or craziness or just latest news or cocaine bears. You name it, it's there. Uh, let's just go through really quick so I can get Brad off the phone and to enjoy the rest of his night. Uh, Instagram is where the memes get posted first for Cinema PsyOps. That is Cinema underscore PsyOps there. Then I share it to Facebook in the page for Cinema PsyOps, which then gets shared to the group Cinema PsyOps, all aptly named for this show, Cinema PsyOps. And then it gets shared to my page of Court PsyOps as well. So that's how I'm available to you everywhere for Facebook folks, uh, and as well as Instagram and the Legion Discord chat. Brad, if the folks wanted to reach out to you, are we still under the order of don't? No, I'm on Facebook now. I think I barely was then, but yeah, Brad Hoke. Uh, or through the show, Richard would have given me a message. Hello, this is the Doom Show. I believe we're also a Legion podcast. You absolutely are. And there is a yep. Hello, this is the Doom Show group. I highly recommend it. Uh, there is a lot of egoless discussion of films where people just lay out all of their cards and are very vulnerable about all the things that they love. And if you're a dick, you're dealt with. Yeah, no, that really warms my heart for you to say all that. Thank you, because that's exactly what he uh, he meant it to be, is that if you love something, just get on there and talk about it, and there's no judgment. Yeah, and the most that I would say negatively to anything if I was asked while in the group or having a discussion is, yeah, I'm just not a fan of that one. But I do like this one, and I think yeah. it's similar to that. That's the, that's the most negative I will get in your group out of respect. Yeah, well, yeah, we appreciate that. I think he 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 keeps an eye on that, and he keeps an eye on uh, just people just plugging their stuff without interacting. But other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty much anything goes. <laughs> as long as you're not a jerk, that's the only rule, really. That's right. Yeah, and that I think that's how he puts it. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Well, yes, uh, Brad and Richard will both return at the end of 2023 and the start of 2024 where the Hello, This is the Doom Show hiatus will end. And meanwhile, when Brad gets that podcasting itch, he's going to be able to scratch it here on this show. Yep. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. I miss it. And uh, I'm looking forward to to getting the show back together, too. Uh, But no, I would love to discuss lust of a vampire here soon with you all right we will set that up well while you guys are out there waiting for that to happen kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch
Hello. Oh, I can hear you. Yes, it's on my earbuds. Yay! And you're loud and clear. I don't even have to. I can adjust the compression back down and everything. Outstanding. Oh, I was so, I was so upset. I'm like, I have wasted his time. <laughs> Come on, man. Troubleshooting this stuff is half the fun of podcasting. I don't care what anybody says. Well, see, and me, I'm, anyway. I'm never, I'm never involved in that end at all, at all. Because <laughs> Richard, Richard loves doing it, but he's also burnt out, which is why we're taking a year off. All right. Do you have your thing set up to record on your side? I do. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to set it here, and I can start recording whenever you need me to. Oh, well, I'm already rolling on my side. I started rolling before I called you, so go ahead and roll on your side. Okay. We are recording. Can you give me a 3-2-1 clap so I can sync it up? Yes, sir. 3-2-1. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I've got Absolutely. The, I've got the notes and a ton of clips from Nightmare and a whole lot of stuff to say about it. I have music in case we're going to do like another segment. Like Matt and I would often do the news and stuff, but I know you have like a your own like third section thing that you do, like a question time or something like that. I didn't know uh-huh. I had something like that prep that you wanted to do, but I'm all for it because we've done it before. Uh, I can think about it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, right. I'll figure something out. All right. Yeah, no problem. Um, we can wing that too. Just want to make sure. Did you hear the clip okay? Yeah. Like that is playing okay for you, or is that too loud? Yes, or? absolutely. No, nope, I can hear it. Perfect. Is it the right it's level perfect. then? Just right level? Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah, he said yeah. Yeah, that's that's Ricky Morgan saying yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. slowed it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we're ready to rock and roll. I'm gonna. Uh, okay. I'm going to skip the intro music because I think you might find it offensive. But if you listen to the episode, you might find it offensive. Just FYI. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead and do it however you're going to do it. Uh, well, I was only going to play like a minute before I do the intro. So I'm just going to skip that part and we're just going to roll okay. into it. So um, if you heard the show lately, like I do a really long hello yell at the beginning of every show for like a long time. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. If you're aware of that, I just didn't want to do it and then have you be like, what the hell is Court doing? <laughs> if no, you weren't aware, no, that's no. all. All right. So that's no, how I'm going to come absolutely. into the show. All right. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. To condense the show, I stopped playing the full ads and stuff like that. It kind of lost its luster to do the whole play the ad like it's the actual whole show because I could just edit okay. it in later because I was re-editing it anyway. So. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So three, two, one. And she is... Oh, sec. <laughs> Autocorrect screwed up what I had typed, so it just sucked to figure it out oh. in context. That's all good. Okay. Sorry, that was the end of the clip, and I was making some adjustments to try and cut out some noise. <laughs> nope. All good. I just thought maybe my equipment had failed again. Sorry, my wife just texted me. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, just, just, just give me a second here. She uh, got a little bit of freedom tonight to go see her friends at the book club uh, get together, which uh-huh. is just an excuse for them to go drink wine together. That's it. That's not, sure. not really a book club. They just get together and drink. Uh-huh. Yeah, my wife belongs to a book club that only goes to restaurants. They don't drink any of them, but... It's really restaurant club. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like a social thing. Well, she didn't think she was going to get sure. to make it tonight uh, because of some other obligations. But it worked out that she'll just be going a little later. So she's super stoked. And I was like, yeah, go have fun. Just be safe. <laughs> Good. I hope she is safe. Yes. <laughs> All right. Back to this. And I'll just put that in the outtakes. Yeah, just take out that last part if you if you please. <laughs> no, all I'm going to do is move all the parts where you request that I take it out to the outtakes. <laughs> just to the outtakes, yeah. <laughs> all right. We can do a few different ones of those, yeah. <laughs> this is a super long one because this covers their whole relationship collapsing from here. So strap in. we got okay. seven minutes of clip. I'm here. Or you can run to the bathroom either way. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. The final time. Ta- yeah. Just find my place and... 
love to discuss lust of a vampire here soon with you. All right, we will set that up. Well, while you guys are out there waiting for that to happen, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Boom. <laughs> you can stop recording on your side. Okay. All right, I will stop that.